Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out those wings and slither in place because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to a brand new episode of the cast. Today we're discussing a hotly debated topic tracing all the way back to the first of us, Adam. Follow along as we attempt to answer the question, are we born in sin? That's right, Snakebirds. It's another great day to be with you here over the airwaves, and we hope you're ready to get into another deep topic as we face the man or woman in the mirror, because today's focus is on the ugly truth about the human condition. That scary phrase that Josh just said, born in sin, are we? But this whole concept comes with a swarm of misconceptions and questions that have been debated for centuries. There's philosophical questions, religious questions, and I think at some point probably every one of us have had curiosities about this. Yeah, and I think it's one that we don't like to dwell on because, like you said, man in the mirror, it makes us come face to face with the fact that we're not the little angels that our moms told us we were. Right. (laughs) My mom said I was perfect. (laughs) She said I was her little angel. (laughs) (laughs) But are we fallen angels? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I remember a pastor in Bible college. He he was really a kind guy. He kind of had this like Winnie the Pooh type of um, uh, just demeanor. Like, yeah. Ooh, you know, <laughs> and he used to go uh, in talking about a cute baby or a toddler. He used to say, "Oh, look at that cute little sinner." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. It was so funny because it just didn't expect that to come from him. Yeah, yeah, that's some good humor right there. It, it cracked me up. Yeah. Well, that's the topic, guys. It's it's are we born in sin? And um, you know, some of the things that came in my mind when I first started in the study was like Sir Francis Galton with the whole nature versus nurture debate, mm-hmm. um, which is more on the Darwinian side of things, but it enters our theological realms as well, like predestination. Uh, if only a select number of people are predestined to be saved, then does that mean only some of us need that sin nature dealt with? Um, I believe that God addresses some of that bad thinking through Scripture, but it doesn't change the fact that people deeply struggle with questions like this. Um, And and I'm not trying to, I know that was probably not the best representation of predestination, Mm. but um, it, it falls kind of in that category of why would a loving God allow evil in the world, or why would God design us as broken or evil from the start? And, you know, anyone that's considered this topic and then beheld a newborn baby has probably asked themselves, are we really born sinners? Mm. Are we really born evil from birth? And the Bible, it does speak on this, but it still raises a lot of questions. So it's really important that we understand what it really means to have a sin nature from birth and what it does not mean. Yes. Yeah. Because I think uh, this is one of those where people look at you and you're like, you're a monster. Yeah, <laughs> you <know>? exactly. <laughs> How can you tell me this baby is, is sinned and, right. and deserves to die from its sin? Yeah, and, and I emphasize what it does not mean because during my study, God gave me some clarity on some gray areas that I've been chewing on for a few years now. And, you know, part of me wants to save that juicy nugget for the end of the episode, but I might just throw it in if we venture into the realm, but we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> but there's a lot of questions, even as Josh and I study for this, that I cleared up, you know, some areas for me. Okay, good. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. It, I'll, I will say this as a teaser. I'll say that this topic um, is one. It's been one that I've been asked about many times over the years. And, and truth be told, most of my answers for people have been regurgitated from sermons I've heard. Okay. And most of those times, the people were that were curious, they walked away with more questions than before. Um, but from this point forward, I, I personally am going to have a lot greater confidence in the answers I give case by case on the sin nature and being born um, from birth as as a, a sinner or whatever. Oh, that's, People think about it. That's fantastic that at least you feel like you have more of a place to draw from of a confident answer. I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad we did this one. That's what Snakebird's all about. It is. Yeah. Because I, I grow every time I study for one <laughs> yeah, of these. Yeah, me too. And I question more things that I never thought I would question and, right? and, you know, have to wrestle with them. I put this to bed years ago. What is this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember hearing a sermon. I accepted it and moved on. Yeah. Now you're making me wrestle with it. What is this? The living word of God? Yes. <laughs> changing, changing who I am because it's powerful. Yeah. 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 So um, before we get started, I did want to mention that we've skimmed the water with this topic in a couple other episodes, like season one, episode seven, Satan's Biggest Lies, the whole good outweighing your bad ideology. Um, also, our more recent Christian Ignorance episode, number 83, where we discuss that there is grace to be found in ignorance, like babies in the age of accountability. So you can revisit those episodes for a more concentrated look on like the specifics on those. But today, at least from my study corner, I came at this from an angle of, number one, understanding that we are, in fact, born with a fallen nature. Of course, we're going to get into the, where that's found in the Bible. Uh, number two, how this acknowledgement isn't a depressing thing. Thing, it actually helps us move forward. And number three, how understanding and properly reacting to this topic unites us to God through Jesus, which will eventually do completely away with our sin nature. Yes. So those are kind of the three filters that I was I was working from as I entered the study. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in some areas, it, it went off. So <laughs> Yeah, no. The fact that it can end with the talk about Jesus is exactly where, you know, it needs to go. That's true. That's, that's yeah. what the, the cast is all about. That's right. So a wise man once said that the first step in fixing a problem is admitting you have one. I know that sounded very AA, but when you think about it, you do kind of have to know if you mm-hmm. have a problem to work on it. True. So um, we do. We we have a problem, and we should see what the Bible says about that problem, which is our sin nature. Yes. Um, I have some very direct scriptures that I brought, Josh, just right off the bat of of blunt statements that we, we have this nature. Mm-hmm. We were born with sin. Um, as our nature, and I don't go all the way back to Adam and Eve with this, but I know we should probably talk about that, shouldn't we? Since, I mean, it really started there, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I've got some stuff on that. Okay, well, I'll just go ahead and read the ones that I have here. Um, Ephesians 2, 3 says, Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Mm. Uh, Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all mankind because all sinned. Mm. I've always considered that one to be what the the band Lifehouse called the six-cycle carousel. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Genesis 8.21 the Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. Hmm. 
So those are all some some pretty blunt scriptures showing that we're, we are in fact born with what we would call a sin nature. I mean, all the way from from our birth. Yeah, I'd like to add Psalm fifty one five. Uh, it says, "Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't get much clearer than that. Yeah, it really doesn't. I mean, and it's it's blunt. Mm-hmm. And even our heroes of faith, they pondered this condition as well. Uh, Jeremiah seventeen nine says, "The heart is more deceitful than all else, and is desperately sick. Who can understand it?" Uh, Job 14.4 says, Who can make the clean out of the unclean? No one. And and Job even asked the question uh, in Job 9.2, But how can mere mortals prove their innocence before God? And in verse 33, Job actually follows this up by asking, If only there was someone to mediate between Mm. us, someone to bring us together. So the prophets and patriarchs all recognize that our sin separates us from God, this sin that we're born with. And I, I think... That's the thing that keeps some people up at night. Uh, perhaps someone who never liked religion but deep inside knows that they need some sort of bridge of righteousness to set things straight. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the areas that I do want to focus on because I think there's a lot of people out there that look at religion as a waste of time. And to be fair, perhaps the religion that they have been exposed to is a waste of time. And, and Jesus saw that too. But Jesus calls us to look at him, to look to him for the fix, not to drift our focus into self-help and religion, but to look at him. And um, I I just, I thought that was really interesting that the patriarchs even saw this condition and they're like, we need a remedy. Yes. Yeah. Even Solomon in Ecclesiastes 9.3 says, truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. So I think you said, Jeremiah, you know, yeah. the heart is deceitful. Then even David chimes in. He's got that verse that I think we've quoted several times on this uh, podcast, but it says, um, the Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Yeah. And so it kind of feels a little bleak because you're like, okay, so we are evil. We are born in sin. I mean, you know, not trying to spoil the answer of this episode. Well, and and that's something I kind of laughed at with my own notes is because I really laid out the whole thing in the first couple pages. But then I go back and dissect a lot of the the thoughts and ideas about what all of it really means. Mm But um, yeah, they and, and one thing that I notice is a lot of the stuff they're talking about, these sins and iniquities that, that separate us from God, a lot of them are pointed towards things that we've chosen to do. Mm-hmm. And I get into that a lot here in a little bit, but we also have to understand there's also stuff that we haven't chosen to do that's in our nature from birth. Yes. So there, there's kind of a separation there of understanding sin and the knowledge of it and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's really, you know, it, it's one of these things that has, been very simple hearing sermons about it in my life where I'm like, yeah, we're born in sin and all this stuff. But as we as we got into the study, or as I got into the study, there's not a mouse in my pocket, sorry. <laughs> as I got into the study, I, I realized there there is a multifaceted thing going on here with ideas, with and we're going to get into you know some Catholic viewpoints, some mm-hmm. um, Calvinistic ideas and whatnot. But um, 
just for this moment here, uh, we understand that we're born of the sin nature. And I, I just want to show how the prophets recognize that Jesus fixes that. Mm. And then we can kind of jump back and discuss the philosophical side of things and, sure. and all of that. Yeah. But um, uh, John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus says, If you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This rescue mission that God has been setting up since the fall of man, it's now here. And he's calling out to us now, this this fix for sin, the sin nature. First um, Peter 1, 10 through 12, this is fascinating to me because it's, it's kind of like a, a, a time machine back into the prophet's mind. But it says, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things, which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look." And that's exactly why Jesus was sent as 1 Peter connects the dots, picking back up in chapter 2, 21 through 25. He says, For you have been called for this purpose, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you would follow in his steps. He who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being abusively insulted, he did not insult in return. While suffering, he did not threaten, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself brought our sins in his body up on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed, for you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. So that was a really powerful verse for me. And I would encourage you, listener, if, you, if you've always struggled with thoughts or concerns about being born in sin, then worry no more because God, he offers this gift of righteousness, this fix for sin, salvation now. Um, Isaiah 1, 18, 20 says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says mm-hmm. the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. And that ending there that talks about being devoured by the sword, it's not speaking of God giving you a choice and then putting the sword to you if you don't choose him. Being devoured by the sword is in reference to what sin itself will do to you if you stubbornly reject the freedom that God offers. So if you haven't done that yet, then I strongly encourage you to take that leap of faith, not try to make yourself look like a good Christian, but surrender all to God as he starts to recreate that new nature within you. Mm. And I mean, that's our old nature was the sin. He recreates a new nature in you. And that is, that's the remedy. That's the remedy for all yeah. of this. And, yeah. I mean, obviously, we, we dropped the bottom line right from the get-go here, and we're going <laughs> to yeah. go back. I mean, yeah. we laid it out pretty quickly there, but there's still a lot to talk about in, in regard to sin nature and all that. But, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. We were born with it. Jesus came a couple thousand years with all that sentence, you know. Yes. And and he's the fix. Yes. So, um, yeah, that, that was that was definitely in a <laughs> nutshell, wasn't it, yeah, Josh? Yeah, it, it was, and I appreciate that you laid it out like that. Yeah. 
Well, uh, what what do you have, Josh, on on some of the uh, the sin nature, and do you go, do you go back to like Adam and Eve and and whatnot? Yeah. So when you first brought this topic, because you know we go back and forth about who brings um, what kind of question or or what should we talk about. Um, this was definitely one that you'd brought, so I appreciate some of the angles that you're already speaking to in this. For me, I started to think about Romans chapter five. Um, because not only does it talk about Adam, but it also talks about Jesus. Mm. So let us go there. Sweet. So Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, speaks of Adam. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him to come. So you start to get into some things. I didn't read all of it, but um, what is proposed here is a theology called federal headship. And uh, some people believe that Federal headship is a thing. Some some disagree with it. I feel like it's a really good way to explain some of this, especially the the born into sin type of theology. Yeah. So federal headship, one of the easiest ways to describe it is it's the the doctrine of imputation. And so when Adam sinned, his sin was then imputed to all his descendants. So everyone who was born from Adam had sin imputed into them. And then through Christ, when he came, now his righteousness is imputed to all those who believe in the gospel. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it says, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And the way that I can see it, and the way that I can best describe it, is Adam... Uh, when God created him in the garden, he was our champion. He was like our president and he was the representation or the head of the human race. And when he chose to sin, all of us are considered guilty too, because he was our representative. That's what federal headship is. It's seen as the possible explanation of Paul's comparison of the roles of Adam and Christ in Romans 5.18. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. And so this concept of federal headship for me it really explained being born into sin in a way that I just, it was like no brainer. Gotcha. And it's crazy to think that there are actually people out there that don't think that uh, we're born in sin. Cause that's a theory that I hadn't really even encountered until I started doing study for this topic, because I found some people are like um, arguing the, the counterpoint because they're asking uh, questions like, um, how can we be born into sin when infants don't even sin? <laughs> yeah. You know, but then you have verses like first John three, four through six, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness, but you know that he has appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning and no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. And there's a lot of arguments on why a baby wouldn't be in sin, but there's also the counter argument that 
unfortunately infants die yeah and death is a result of our sin and uh, yeah <laughs> you know. there there is there's a lot of there's a lot of angles where you come at this and it's that it, it almost seems contradictory yes yeah and it started to um for me, my study direction started to blend into the uh, Catholic belief of original sin and the debate on what that means and how that plays into being born into sin. And even so much as how do we have that sin transferred from person to person? Because I started to think of the way that it works with the, um, the, the bloodline of the Immaculate Conception. Like, what kept Jesus sinless? Was it the fact that there was no um, intercourse between Joseph and Mary, which resulted in Jesus being born, versus the Holy Spirit coming upon her and, and, you know, basically filling her to where all of a sudden she conceived? Mm -hmm. Was it the fact that um, sin is passed down through that fatherly bloodline? I mean, there's a lot of debate on that. Yeah. Yeah, that that federal headship you mentioned, I some of the things I saw brought up was like Ezekiel eight eighteen twenty. It says the person who sins will die. The mm, son will not yeah. bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor the father bear the punishment for the sons. The righteous for the righteous will be on, on himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be on themselves. And it's almost like separating. Like it's almost like it's not fair that you get punished for someone else's sin. And people have issues with that when they think back to Adam mm-hmm. and whatnot. But but we have. How do you, how have you said it in the past, Josh? We have two truths in tension of each mm-hmm. other. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm kind yeah. of seeing. Yeah, and I didn't even finish my thought on that. Oh, because, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, you're not sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry because what Paul ends up revealing in his letter to the Romans is that Jesus is the last Adam. He closes the book on that. He says, there's a way for us to be free of our sin natures, even though in Adam we're in sin, in Christ we are free from sin as long as we have his righteousness imputed to us, which is done by faith. Yeah. So, for sure. Yeah. He's the fix for all of it. Yes. Yeah. And so for those that don't believe in federal headship, I mean, Christ is still the answer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's one of those things. It's like, it's whatever hill you're you're trying to die on, uh, Jesus is the answer for either of them. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So true. Yeah. And you mentioned that verse in Ezekiel. Um, it doesn't seem fair, does it? How can God hold us guilty because of Adam's sin? German theologian Wolfhart Pannenberg protests, saying, It is impossible for me to be held jointly responsible as though I were the joint cause for an act that another did many generations ago and in a situation radically different from mine. Well, besides the fact that our entire redemptive hope is anchored in the principle of representation and imputation, the fact is that this is the normal pattern of God's dealings with the sons of men. He always communes with men according to the covenant, and each historical covenant, Adamic, Abrahamic, Noahic, Mosaic, Davidic, and New, includes both the covenant head and all those who belong to him according to the terms of the covenant. Federal headship is not an obscure wrinkle in Paul's theology, but a central theme in redemptive history. This is the core crisis of humanity. We are born in Adam, and all the guilt, condemnation, and death accomplished by his disobedience accrues by covenantal solidarity to us. In Adam's fall, we all fell. But in Christ's victory, we are all victorious. Mm-hmm. 
because we need Jesus, our second Adam, our last Adam, and his righteousness imputed to us because okay. he is without sin. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's another good angle. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that because that, that Ezekiel one needs kind of needs an answer, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And and again, there is a lot of those human nature, like we're talking about sin nature, but there's those human nature questions going, why is this fair? Yeah. And the answer is, well, sin's not fair. Yeah. You know, yeah. it brings death. Yeah, it it's it's a topic that's hard. It mm-hmm. really it's harder than I thought I had it nailed down at. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and I honestly I think this might be a good point for me to to reveal my my gold nugget that I got from God <laughs> during my study. That sounded weird. <laughs> again, I want to hear the angelic voices as you like pull back the cloth. Well, it's something that I, like I said at the beginning, I've been chewing on this for years, but it just kind of came together in a way for a, a more, a better confidence, I guess I would say. But I had a, a good idea how I was going to present this, and um, because we do see in Scripture, there, there's very straightforward statements about our sin nature. It, it kind of doesn't make sense at first glance to discuss it any further than we're fallen and mm-hmm. we need a Savior. Which, in its most basic form, that that is a hundred percent correct. But about five years ago, I had taken my son to something called Trail Life, which is basically a Christian version of the Boy Scouts. And during one of the activities, one of the instructors tried to incorporate some biblical, you know, application and truth for the kids. He was trying to illustrate why we need Jesus by quoting Genesis eight twenty one and Ephesians two three. And Genesis eight twenty one. It says, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. We mentioned that one earlier. In Ephesians 2, 3, it says that we are all by nature children of wrath. And it really created a huge problem with the parents and the boys in my son's group because we had kids really upset that the Bible says they are evil in the object of God's wrath. And one of the boys actually looked up at his dad and he said, Daddy, am I evil? And I, I mean, I almost had a tear come to my eye. And we're, we're sitting here trying to teach these kids about Jesus, and, and we tell them that. Mm-hmm. And even when the parents were trying to comfort them by saying, well, we believe in Jesus and we're safe from that now, uh, we still had problems and questions from these kids about their friends at school whose parents didn't believe in Jesus. Because let's face it, at that age, a child's faith is tied to their parents' faith. Mm-hmm. And these kids were now under the impression that certain kids at school are now evil and the object of God's wrath. And ever since that event, I realized that most of the time, I don't think we have good answers for subjects like this. And the reason is not because the Bible contradicts itself or anything like that, but because I I think in certain circles, we cling to scriptures like the Pharisees clung to rules. And when that happens, we lose the entire intended message of God's Word. And His true nature, I believe, gets lost in the mist when that happens. So what I discovered was that we we do have some gray areas of truly understanding God's nature in this topic. Um, We humans love black and white lines where we set up these theological boxes, boxes where we take our favorite attributes of God's nature and we build an entire belief system only on those attributes that, you know, they ring truest to us. And anything we find that challenges that understanding, it's forced into wording that avoids the meat of the subject altogether. And this is something that we've mentioned before called the doctrine of divine simplicity. And I think where we go wrong is not including the rest of who God is with the portions we're most comfortable with. 
So with that being said, let's consider our topic here. We have the Catholics with original sin. Then we have the Calvinists who take total depravity to a whole nother level by saying, yes, we're depraved, but also some of us are just destined to be that way, which falls into that same secular category of Sir Francis Galton with the whole nature versus nurture, where some people are simply born better than others. And I know that's not the exact same, but they're definitely kissing cousins. Um, And then the Orthodox Jews, they look to the law where they can say, depraved or not, I have a set of rules that I follow very closely, and that makes me righteous. Mm. And so each of these viewpoints have built theologies around only one part of God's nature, and then an understanding was constructed. So we've already brought the scriptures that that point to the sin nature that we have been born with, um, and we have. But we should also consider verses like Ecclesiastes 7.29 that says, and this is Solomon, the wisest man to have lived, he concluded this, Behold, I have found only this, that God made people upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Mm. And when I first heard that, I started to get out my battle gear to refute it because, (laughs) you know, I was like, that's not right. But then I remembered this is the Bible. And Isaiah 59, 2 says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. And then Isaiah goes on to describe the type of sin that separates us from God, and everything he references are sins of choice, not nature. And for some years now, I have really been struggling, trying to find the right words in my head to describe what I believe God's true nature is on this topic. And I think Solomon touches on it in that verse. The key word would be sought out, a choosing to rebel against God. Babies, young children, they can't make that kind of choice because they simply don't know. Um, Think about it this way. If God had never mentioned to Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of knowledge, would it have been a sin to do so? Hmm. Of course not. God wouldn't have held them responsible for something he never told them about. No. But it was the choice that Adam and Eve made with the knowledge they had that started the fall. It started the separation. And it's the same with us. Uh, Josh, you had referenced Romans 5 earlier, and um, my focus went on in this realm to verse 12. It says, But sin is not counted against anyone when there is no law. And to have the law, you have to have knowledge of the law. Mm. Or in the New Testament um, situation, knowledge of saving faith. So at the end of the day, more than our theology or our comfort level, I firmly believe that we, we will be judged based on what we know. And I do realize that a good portion of those questions are rooted in a refusal to believe, an apathy towards our own sin. But I also know that there are many people out there who are sincere, who truly do struggle with this idea. And my main reason for hammering down on this is because there's so many people that have asked me this question and these questions about how a loving God would unfairly judge someone. And I've never had the confidence and proper wording until recently to tell them he doesn't. He is fair. He is just. So I had to bring this angle and... This is also one of the reasons I could never be a Calvinist and and follow their line of thinking. I see way too many places in the Bible where God has spelled out for us from Adam and Eve to Paul's epistles that it's the choices we make with the knowledge we have that makes the real difference. And the Calvinists would, would look at my wording and say, wait a minute, that choice you're talking about, that's a work, and works don't save you. And while I agree that works don't save you, I don't believe choosing to rest in Jesus' finished work on the cross is in any way a work of my own. Mm. That is all Him. 
And perhaps if we do an episode ever on, on Calvinism, we can discuss the, the misunderstandings between predestination and foreknowledge. But for this episode, I did my best to try and reveal what I believe God's Word is telling us. And I do believe that we are born with a sin nature. But I don't believe that we are damned in that sin nature until we have reached an age of accountability where we know right from wrong. I believe that God is just in that way, and I believe it is all through the pages of Scripture where we have situations that point to that. These sins that separate us from God, if you actually read it all the way through, the baby couldn't have made the decision to have feet that rush into evil or all of these things that separate us from God. And so... It's twin truths in tension of each other. It really yeah. is. And I I think too many people have heard sermons where they lean one direction or the other, and it blows people away saying, I'm not serving a God like that. And I don't believe that's the God of the Bible. So I, I really, that was that was something that I've been chewing on for years. And it just came to me in this in this study. It's just like, it's time to put the nail in the coffin, the final nail, because this this is something that I personally am going to be standing on for the rest of my life and, and, and until God shows me if I'm wrong or whatever. But I, I don't believe I am. This is something that, that God has laid on my heart so heavily over the last several years. And I don't want people out there to think that there's an unfair a bearded man in the heavens just <laughs> yeah. waiting to hammer us down because yeah. I don't think that's God's nature. I don't think the Bible teaches it. No, and unfortunately, so many people have that view of God, but I really like the way that you laid that out. And you can tell that you've wrestled with it I have. for a long time Yeah, in order to come up with that response. Well, I, I have, and, and I hope I didn't speak any hereticals in there, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I truly believe every word I said in it. Yeah, I didn't he- hear anything. Well, I, that's <laughs> except, good. Except Always gonna... I could never be a Calvinist, which I just, <laughs> I started laughing. We had to re we had to retake that line because right. I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> calling him out. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I say that... Um, with a heart of love, because I, I listen to John Piper's sermons. He's a Calvinist, and I grow so much with his knowledge. And, and some of the things that the Calvinists um, teach are so profoundly true. Mm-hmm. But that's one of those very foundational things that I could never jump on board with. Yeah, yeah. I know. It, it's one of those where you find that you have so many harmonious uh, theological ideals with until you get to that one end pass and you're like, oh, no, yeah, I right. can't go further than this. And, and that's yeah. okay because uh, we go back to that still saying from Augustine in uh, the essentials unity and the non-essentials liberty and in all things charity. Yeah. You know, so I, as long as it's not foundational to salvation, I, I feel like it's one of those things where we can go, amen, brother, you know? Yeah. That's where God's leading you. And I don't quite see it that yeah, way, but yeah. I know I've watched your life. I know you're my brother. Yeah. And I know that God will show both of us what the truth is as yeah. we grow. So I did mention how sin was passed on. Um, I was just revisiting the MacArthur commentary who he believes our sin nature has passed down seminally. Um, That's a curious thought. Yes. which is, (laughs) (laughs) um, You know, there's a lot of debate and and the way that... uh, that he views that is that because Jesus wasn't born of a seminal birth, then he could bypass that sin nature. 
Yeah. And I mean, God is God. It's it's not going to be anything for him to not have a sin nature. But I just wonder what it was like for Jesus growing up, you know, because it, it's not like you have to tell a toddler the word no. Yeah. Somehow they instinctively know like, no, I'm not going to do that, you know? Yeah. And I just wonder what it would have been like growing up with Jesus where he did not sin. Yeah. You know, and having to go through um, life as his brother or uh, even as his parent. So, so MacArthur believes it's it's a very physical sense of yes. not that. And yes, that, that that would might throw a wrench in some Catholic ideals, wouldn't it? It it could, yeah. I, you know, in researching this, this is something that I never realized, but Catholics believe that not only is there the Immaculate Conception of Jesus, there's also two others the Immaculate Conception of Mary, and of John the Baptist. And they kind of take place at strange times. Like Mary's is when she consented to give birth to Jesus. So it's like retroactive. And yeah. then with John the Baptist, I, I did some reading. I didn't do a ton of research into this. But with John the Baptist, it happened when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, and the baby leapt for joy. And it said that at that point, the Holy Spirit filled the baby. And the Catholics were like, well, you couldn't have... Um, the Holy Spirit and sin living in the same vessel. So he was right there being immaculately conceived. And I think there's some terminology, um, maybe just differences that we would have. So if, if MacArthur uh, converted Catholic, he would say he was uh, the, the evil seminal <laughs> avenue was cleansed. I guess. <laughs> Why you got to use the word avenue? (laughs) (laughs) You get into some weird ideas, don't we? Yeah, well, okay. So here's another weird idea. While I was researching this, I came across somebody who asked the question, if humanity is not born in sin, wouldn't we expect there to be some people who have beaten the odds and never sinned? Because if we don't have a sin nature, then... Very, very good point. Yeah, Okay. So this was the answer given. If we are born innocent and good, why aren't there at least some people who have continued in this state and remain sinless? Because I mean, even like Buddhism, um, wouldn't that seem like that's like the just the ultimate seeking peace? Yeah, don't hurt nature. Find enlightenment. Yeah, you know, which would assume not sinning. The fact that everyone sins needs some explanation. The best explanation is that we are sinners by nature. Someone might argue that the reason all people sin is because society is sinful. Thus, society renders it impossible for anyone to keep themselves entirely pure. But that only pushes the question back one step. How did society get sinful in the first place? If people are born morally good, then how did it come about that they congregated into societies that influence all people to sin? Mm-hmm. It, it becomes a cyclical type of argument, yeah. but I mean, people left to their own go down. Oh, yes, that's uh, that's no doubt. We can see that without believing a single word of the yeah, Bible. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's even there are some of those um, who believe that. Uh, <laughs> now I'm getting into uh, eschatological uh, terms, but there's some that believe that we are going to somehow as a society become perfection and that's when the reign of jesus will begin yeah, i've heard that and yeah. that is a scary thought because it's like look at the last um 200 years of our society it's not gone yeah and, I, and i've heard some of that people are like well the christ you know 
in the church will slowly spread to the whole earth, and once it's um, come to fruition, then that's his key. Yes, to come and yeah. Um, if that's the case, we're in a we're in a downturn on the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I guess we'll wait and hopefully have faith that it's going to go on an upscale there. <laughs> downturn as a nosedive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a better way to put it. A nosedive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We, so we broke much. the ballast tanks, and we are just headed straight for the bottom. And, you know, that's one thing I, I didn't want to do in, in my whole spiel earlier is is try to say that um, we don't have a sin nature or anything. I just, I, I really, um, for years I struggled with this idea because I know we're born of the sin nature, but I also know that people aren't going to be held accountable for that sin nature when mm-hmm. they don't have the knowledge of things. And so that's, it, it's such a, it's such a balance mm-hmm. on that particular topic right there. Yeah. And and so I, I don't want to make it sound like we, we don't have a sin nature because we do. But uh, there's the accountability thing and all and all that, and that's just I think it's so important for for people to understand that God is just; He's not going to punish somebody for the lack of knowledge or something. Yes, yeah, yeah, and, and I don't know how much you have left to say, but I'm going to say this as my closing uh, presentation: the bad news is is that no one deserves eternal life in Christ. Yet God does not leave us alone in our sins. Here is why the gospel of Jesus Christ is called the good news. It's because God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. That's why the good news is so good. It's because the bad news of our wickedness is true that the good news news is so very good. Our God is good. He died to make a way for us and had the wrath that we rightly deserved to be placed on him. If we will only believe that God demonstrates his own love for this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we haven't repented of our sins, confessed them to God, and put our trust in Christ, then we will pay for our own sins in eternity. Someone has to pay for our sins. Will it be us? Or will it be Jesus? Because oh. his gift is free. Love that. Yeah. And I, I I mean, it's so simple and yet it's so profound. It's so it rings true. And yeah. and I just hate that there are people who hear this gospel and reject it. Yeah. Because they're like, Well, I, I'm good. I'm a good man, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's that's the absolute there's no need for me to have an ending because that was the perfect one. Mm-hmm. Um and that's my true heart for this episode for anyone out there listening that if you ever struggled with that, not thinking that that's not a that that can't be the true God in your mind because you've had some misconceptions about all of this, that would be my hope that you you say something now clicks. You're like, okay, I get this, mm-hmm. and my prayer is that having that knowledge now, that you would act on it. Yes, and you would accept. Jesus finished work on the cross. Yes. Nothing you have to bring to the table. Nothing like <laughs> no. that, because what you have to bring to the table is sin. Yes. that's what you got. Yeah, and. Jesus fixes all of that. And that would be my prayer for anyone out there that is um, has been struggling with this whole concept, that you would come to the cross and you would say, I give it all to you. Mm-hmm. And believe me, um, you're in for a ride mm-hmm. if, if, you can, if you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So... 
I don't know how much help we did for you guys out there. <laughs> yeah. um, I know it was um, it was a tough study for me, and mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to be uh, because there's a lot of hard questions in there. But I I hope that you you grew in this episode. I know I certainly did. Yes, me too. And I went down some areas that I was like, wow, I did not think it would take me this way. But <laughs> me you know, too, like right? That. Yeah. You know, praise God for that. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're glad that you're with us and tuned in again. And um, always remember, you can reach out to us for topic ideas. Uh, if there's something you heard in this one that you're just, man, you need some more clarity on, reach out to us. You can uh, email us at connect at beasnakebird.com. Right, yes. Josh? Yeah. Or reach out on our Facebook. Uh, you can uh, send us a Facebook message or just post on our Facebook page. That would be great. Yeah. And, and if our if our prayer has come true in your life and this episode affected you a ton, share it with someone else so it can be um, a, a great thing in their life too. And give yeah. us uh, and it's not just for likes. That is uh, spreading the gospel and it, it helps get the word of the Snakebird Podcast out there. Yes, absolutely. It it grows the show and and that really helps us to reach more people. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So remember, Snakebirds, whatever you do, wherever you go. No matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to let Jesus' righteousness become your own. And be a snake bird. <laughs>